coming up for air here. That's what it feels like, anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Yeah, not really coming up for air. I'm not really in the water. Stop this here. Okay, there you go. Pretty convincing, though, huh? I feel like I need a towel over here. <laughs> well, only kidding. You see, I'm perfectly dry. But what's with the whole metaphor of uh, coming up for air? I'll tell you all about it, but... Um, first, some music, huh? How about something Chinese? Ah, there we are. Now I can relax and use my real voice. <laughs> Piece of music, by the way, you're hearing is The Moon Represents My Heart, which is one of the great beloved Chinese pop songs of years gone by. Those of you on the Patreon already know this, but my whole family is right now in the throes of the coronavirus. We all got it, both my kids, my wife and I. And we've been scared about this for a couple of years. I'm not scared like you think, like a lot of people are, you know, this weird paranoia that's gripped everybody and this weird divisive politicization of all this stuff, but scared because uh, we all have uh, various, what they call your uh, comorbidities, you know? That's an awful sounding little word, isn't it? Comorbidity. Brr. Might have heard me refer to this stuff periodically in passing, but um, my daughter has uh, no immune system, and uh, it's been rough. It's been really rough for her and for us, you know, and my son has diabetes, and my wife had some bad throat surgery that has messed up uh, her muscles in her throat so that breathing can be an issue, and anytime you have a bronchial infection or anything like that, it's really life-threatening. And, you know, I'm old. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, our life is a real smorgasbord of medical emergencies, and it's very anxious, and it's often depressing, and it's financially ruinous. So when something like this comes up, this coronavirus, you know, you uh, like, oh, Christ, here we go, you know. So we've been very careful, and I guess uh, getting it now is the best thing because it's past the stage where every case was pretty much a doom, or, or so it seemed. But we're struggling, and I'm doing this show, really, because um, I just want a distraction from the gloom and doom around here. We're all coming through it, I think. I think we're all on the other side of it. We're at various stages of it, and it's hit us really hard. It's been really rough. It remains really rough. But uh, got to do something optimistic and creative, and that's what this is. That's the intention, anyway. And swell guy that I am, I'm putting it on Podbean this time. So everybody can hear it. So if you're sick abed, and you're not on the Patreon, you can still enjoy this wonderful, wonderful music. Like this first thing, for example. Late 60s thing, I think the record came out in England. A guy named John Speaker, and a number titled The Fisherman. It's a perky kind of a thing with an island lilt. I hope you dig it. And with it, I lift my buckaroo to your health, along with the health of all those near and dear to me here, and welcome you to Buckaroo Holiday.
sun, bring down the moon, bring in the nets on seashore. You count the stars, I'll count the waves. We'll watch the girls soar. High in the sky, they wheel and turn, looking for catch to feed them. Keep off me fish, me child is born. Don't make me child stop leaving. Out the boats to moon glow You count the hours, I'll count the years We'll watch the time go Day after day, they run and fall Looking for catch to feed them Stay from me now, me just one man Don't take me now Thank you. 
got the blues So bad tonight I got the blues Try to drown them in blues I got the blues But why do you think of that? I got the blues That blues could swim, swim, swim Yeah, swim, swim, swim Don't worry, it's no use Cause there's no time to lose Change your mind And you will find things you never known before Change your mind And you Things you never know Change your mind 
And you'll find things you've never known Two songs, each called Hangover. That's right. Two hangovers. Because that's what uh, this feels like, this COVID-19. Feels like having two hangovers at once. That last hangover <laughs> was courtesy of a German band called Wachholder? Watchholder? Wachholder? I don't know. W-A-C-H-O-L-D-E-R. From an album called Gin Phonic that came out in 1979. Kind of sounds older to me. It's even more early 70s than 79, but it's a little, little proggy, a little hippie ish, a little rockish. I don't know. I like it kind of. And then the hangover right before that was by the Johnny Guarnieri Trio from 1945, I guess. Slam Stewart on bass, playing that bowed bass that he sings along with, like he did with Slim Gaylord. Great stuff. And as I mentioned before at the top, John Speaker. Just wanted to get right into the music, because uh, I don't feel especially verbose today. Understandable, I hope you agree. You mentioned before about this dog I got here, right? It's like, you know, uh, not supposed to be our dog, but pretty much it is at this point. But I mean, the thing never stops barking. Hang on. I'm opening this door over here. You'll hear it in a second. You've heard it already, right? You've heard it yapping. You'll hear it again. Maybe opening the door startled it a little. It'll give me a moment's rest. Jesus Christ. I gotta mention something. Uh, Gilligan, you know Gilligan. He runs the fake chapter record label that we celebrated on a previous show. Oud piano solo, wait. So anyway, Gilligan, right? Great guy. And just to show you what a great guy he is, we got a package in the mail today, just, just before this. And it's a care package. You know, two big things of soup, chicken soup, a ladle to go with them so you can ladle the soup. You got to ladle the soup, you know. Just hang my ladle in the kitchen, mammy, my But anyway, yeah, he sent us the soups and the ladle for the soups and some uh, cookies and some uh, little, like, rolls, delicious little rolls. Amazing, you know, and uh, what, a, what a boost it gave everybody. So thank you, thank you, Gilligan. And everybody, uh, go over to Fake Chapter there uh, and buy some stuff. Some lovely, lovely music to discover. And if you don't trust me, go back and listen to the show about labels. Label, 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 oh, there he is. See, there, there's the dog. There he is, you see this? this is all day, I got it, all day with this. Anyway, go back to the show, Label, 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 and you'll hear some of his artists, among other delights. 
Did you have your notes? I swear to God. Look, I don't need to torture you with this. It's my cross to bear, not yours. I'm gonna get to some music here, play some offbeat sort of things. Got something here by Georgie Fame. A couple of people had mentioned how nice it was to hear him on the Alan Price special that was on the Patreon. Uh, not a frequently heard number by him. It's the theme song from a movie called Entertaining Mr. Sloan, written by Joe Orton, who was real hot stuff at the time, real controversial playwright. He was supposed to have written the next Beatles movie after Help, which never got made. Eight arms to hold you. And entertaining Mr. Sloan is like this sort of man who came to dinner thing where this young stud ends up staying with this couple and gets involved sexually with the wife and the husband. And I guess I've never seen it, so I don't know whether it's any good or not, but that's what you're dealing with. So Georgie Fame, this was late 60s, Georgie Fame wrote this theme song for it, kind of in a back rack kind of vein. I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of groovy square in a way, but a little more groovy than square, I think. But you be the judge. Before that, you're going to hear Rodelius. You know him from Cluster and from Harmonia, a German musician. 1979, a track called Minne. 1979 seems to be the year for Germany here. Music, isn't it? Didn't, didn't plan that, just occurred to me. A song called Minne from the album Selbstportrait, which I imagine means self-portrait. Wouldn't swear to it. But before we get back to 1979 Germany, we go to 1970 California for a record that might only have been made then and there. And I'll bet it appeals to fans of Joe Raposo's music, and I know who you are, some of you. Miss Abrams and the Strawberry Point fourth grade class. And that's legit. Rita Abrams was this teacher, and she recorded this song with her class, and... It was heard by Eric Jacobson, who was a music executive at the time, manager, producer, worked with Love and Spoonful and with uh, Tim Harden and others. He heard the thing because I think his kid was in her class and he got it released on reprise, reprise, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and it was a chart hit. So they followed it up with an album and the album's actually got some really nice stuff on it. I find it charming. Mill Valley.
That's what he said he'd like to begin with Him with the smooth skin With the blank eyes And it's surprising how it's progressed from there His and that's for certain Dirt on his white curtain Little hands One understands him Yes, he's an orphan lad Bad he's not And he's got a chance Ah, but watch the chance He fancies me We'll see The pains we're taking Making him feel at home So we sweat And we strain Entertaining Mr. Sloan One pickle left And that great hefty shoulder get nicks it Sticks it down his biscuit colored face And it's disgraceful he should be living here Queer, that's it, he's a pretty boy It's a pity boy, it's you or me We'll see my boy tell me what thou seest there 
tangled in a religious snare. Will Aiton. No, I'm not saying that later on today it will be after my mealtime. I don't know why you'd say that anyway, but I wouldn't put it that way anyhow. It would be bad English. I'd be more inclined to say something like, later on I'll have et. Will Aiton is a composer, American composer, contemporary, but thank God older than me, so I don't have to feel too bad when I listen to his music. And he did this piece, A Reliquary for William Blake, which is a quartet, I guess, of viols, these bowed things you hold between your knees now, don't try to, and, uh, and vocalist. And the pieces are all drawn from William Blake's writings. Some of them are poems and some of them are just aphorisms like that one that are drawn from his notes, sometimes recited like that one was, sometimes sung by his soprano. And it's a really nice piece. For one thing, it's a contemporary work that draws from minimalism, but doesn't get bogged down in the kind of mechanical side of things. You know, it has more of a romantic impulse to it, more melodic, and I like that. And it's Blake. Um, Blake is a big inspiration to me, always has been. And he had a view of religion that was pretty unusual for the time. He was very religious in a way, he was very uh, devotional and thought a lot about religion. He was a philosopher of religion, but he was also very drawn towards the sensual world. And he thought that one's urges should be expressed, that uh, this was part of life, this was what God intended. And uh, so there he puts a little picture of somebody who's got himself snared in dogmatism. I'm all for that. No, I'm not all for getting snared in dogmatism, see? No, don't misunderstand. I'm all for William Blake. Now the thing with this is, it's a beautiful piece, and I'd like to play a little more of it. A lot of times in these shows, I regret that I use an example of something and kind of leave it there for good, which is cool because people like it, they can go back to it, but sometimes one piece isn't enough to get an idea of something, or I just want to hear more of it. And uh, who am I to assume you don't want to hear more? You could always skip it, you could always go, you know, uh, make a drink while it's playing, or whatever you want to do. But I, uh, I may do that a few times on this show because I've been coming across things that I think uh, I want to share a little bit more of than I usually do with one little snippet. So throughout the show, there might be a couple of things like that. I know I've done that before, time to time, but um, I may do more of it. And the next thing I'm going to play is an example of that. I may play a couple of things by this band that I think is fantastic. Big Hog. Big Hog, it's a band from Glasgow. And I only have the one album, Pageant of Beasts. I'm eager to hear more of their stuff because I love this album. It's uh, kind of Canterbury-ish, and it's also kind of, I don't know, um, like horn rock. Those bands from the uh, late 60s, early 70s that I dig, you know, Lighthouse in Chicago and Blood, Sweat and Tears, it's that brass thing. You know, I like brass, but it's got, uh, it's got a lot going for it. Really, really great stuff. And if you like this cut, I'll play another thing later. I think Pageant of Beasts is their most recent album. It came out last year, and there's maybe three or four before that. I'm, I'm eager to look into more stuff. I, I'm really kind of smitten with this act. What I'm going to play for you here is a number called All Alone Stone. 
Then I got something else from last year. This is a punk band out of Melbourne, Australia, called Amel and the Sniffers. Ever sniffed Amel Nitrate? I used to have fun with that when I was in high school. <laughs> Amel and the Sniffers have a thing that uh, I really like. It's like, um, it's the fun side of punk in a way. I mean, not that it isn't intense and crazed and all that kind of shit, but it isn't full of politics and it isn't full of um, finger wagging and it isn't full of macho. It's, the singer's name is Amy Taylor, and she reminds me in a way of Iggy Pop in the sense that when you see her perform, she seems like she's a beast possessed. She's uh, this little blonde, but she just comes off like a like a maniac. Her eyes bug out, and she's flailing all over the place, kind of like Iggy. And just like Iggy, when you see her off stage, when she gives interviews and things like that, she seems just a regular, likable, laughing, happy person. So. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, to me, it's uh, really appealing. And it's good, solid punk without bullshit. That's something good. This song is called Guided by Angels. So it has that spiritual thing that I've been talking about lately, expressed in a spirit of repetition, 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 that Marky e. Smith would probably appreciate. And just on account of, I don't want you to think that all I'm listening to is new music, God forbid. I want to play something really hoary and... <laughs> really mothballed. It's going to be Robert Merrill doing the beautiful old parlor song In the Gloaming. Might have played another version of that at some other point, but uh, I like the song. It's a good song. Beautiful song. So let's get rolling with it. Uh, Big Hog, B-I-G-H-O-G-G. All Alone Stone.
I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment. What is at stake this very moment are some of the guiding principles around the NATO alliance and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time. The passage of time. Right, the significance of the passage of time. The passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do. What we need to do. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet. Based on what we've just been able to see and because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. <laughs> Well, there was a uh, memorable moment from John Lydon, Johnny Rotten, at the end of his tenure with the Sex Pistols. Very famous moment. And you probably know how much I love John Lydon. I think he's uh, one of the most articulate and intelligent figures in rock music. Last Honest Man. Kind of a coda there to a little collage of statements by our vice president. Or as we say in the industry, Vopotus. Ain't she something, though? It sure is something. Historic. Very uh, historic. That's for sure. Yep. I really like John Lydon. Johnny Rotten. Anyway, that was that. But before all that, you heard a piece called Song for the Lonely by the American composer William Grant Still. And that's from an album of pieces for bassoon and piano by black American composers called Legacy by the bassoonist Lacolion Washington. And it's a really nice album, full of beautiful pieces. And speaking of pieces by black American composers, and I usually, you know, just, you probably have noticed, or maybe you didn't, but I don't, like to group people in these categories. I know it's really important these days. Everybody thinks it's really important to note identity issues in musicians, composers, artists. You know, I don't, I disagree, but it's, it's a factor in how things are presented and it's a factor in the content of some of the pieces too. So if it does inform the motivation for the work, or gives you some sense of the context of the work, I'll bring it up because, you know, it'd be stupid. It'd be just as stupid to ignore it as it is to make a huge issue out of it, I think. Uh, before I get any further into that topic, uh, I left off this podcast a couple of days. I wanted to get it knocked out and done and up last week, but uh, this illness has really uh, kicked some ass. <laughs> it continues to vex me. Uh, a lot better, though. Everybody's a lot better than they were at the beginning of this show, <laughs> just on, about an hour ago. But yeah, it's crazy. So uh, it's taking longer to do this than I thought it would. 
But back to what I was saying there, Julius Hemphill is an artist whose work is inseparable from his positions on race and its place in American life. He had a sextet with, with whom he recorded a bunch of fantastic albums that I got onto from an article I was reading in a dentist's office. <laughs> Time Magazine uh, did a thing on him sometime at the end of the 70s, I think. And so anyway, I, I proceeded to check out some of his stuff. I I've played it, I'm sure I've played it before and talked about it before, so I don't want to get too neck deep in this. He was a composer, alto saxophonist, and worked in what you call free jazz, I guess. But uh, his work is pretty wide-ranging, and it had a lot of humor that uh, you don't often hear in uh, a lot of improvised music, and particularly, you know, politically charged music. He never lost his sense of humor. And along with the challenging, kind of scrunky stuff you'd expect, there was also a lot of lyricism in his music. And there's a lot of that in evidence on this album that was released posthumously. Uh, it was a tribute by his sextet to his work. It included a lot of compositions that he hadn't recorded yet. The album is called At Dr. King's Table. And it's really great. Anyway, I gotta tell you about the next thing after that. You're gonna hear another feeling from that album. And then I'm gonna play something by Crime and the City Solution. This was a band led by a guy named Simon Bonney who was uh, came from the same loam as Nick Cave. Back when I was really into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, I was also into a lot of the related bands and artists. So like These Immortal Souls and uh, Barry Adamson, et cetera, et cetera. Einstuzente Neubauten. And this version of Crime in the City Solution is my favorite lineup. It has Mick Harvey from The Birthday Party and The Bad Seeds. Epic soundtracks from Swell Maps. And if you like that Nick Cave stuff from around that period, and I'm thinking about Tender Prey and The Good Son and Your Funeral, My Trial, this is really right in the same ballpark. Baroque, hambone, gothic, horror-type shtick. Nick shtick. But it shouldn't be assumed that they were copying Nick's stuff. I would think it's truer to say that it all kind of came from the same place and they all influenced each other. It's called The Brother's Song. Then I'm going to go with Bob Dylan, track from the Oh Mercy album. What was it you wanted? I like it. It kind of takes the position of like what it's like to be Bob Dylan and everybody up his ass for something. Everybody wants something from him. That's understandable. You can imagine being at a level like that where you find it hard to forge trusted relationships with people, maybe because everybody can find some advantage in knowing you. And while I can't really relate to that personally, I've been on the other side of that. There have been friendships I've made that I withdrew from because of that status and power imbalance. Maybe stupid, but it was, it's too palpable and I can't really deal with it. I, I can't understand that whole thing. I, I do see that status is what people want more than anything, more than sex, more than money. Status of knowing and being known that they're at a level that's sort of rarefied God, it means a lot to people. It's it's really fucking pathetic. And so while I don't really know about all that, I do know uh, about betrayal. And the song also deals with betrayal, the Judas Kiss. And then I'll finish the set with a piece by a composer named David Sampson. And in order to get to the music, I'll tell you about that on the other side of it. So first, Another Feeling by Julius Hemphill's Sextet.
That was Jesse and Fiona, Reunion, a movement of a piece called Breathing Lessons by the composer David Sampson. And that's another contemporary composer who's a little bit older than me, so I don't mind playing it. The piece is really nice, Breathing Lessons. Very listenable, very consonant. Scored for an ensemble of saxophones. And like the Will Ayton piece that I referred to earlier, the William Blake piece, I... I'd like to play uh, part of that later on, too, so I may include another David Sampson movement from Breathing Lessons, along with maybe some more Big Hog, maybe some more Will Ayton. I'm just uh, full of uh, what you call your uh, pedagogical musical redundancies. I'm in that kind of mood. I don't know. But a buckaroo doesn't live by contemporary compositions alone. We know that, right? So I'm also in the mood to hear something comes back a ways. How about some Mills Brothers? I'll play some Mills Brothers. Always good. You know, Harry Mills is one of the most influential vocalists of that era. A lot of people cited him. Uh, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, as one of their favorite singers. Then I'm going to play something by a guy named Wayne Talbert. He was a keyboard player and played in a band called Mother Earth. And he also played with... I don't know, a lot of people around that time. He was kind of like one of these blue-eyed soul sort of guys, and he cut a couple of solo albums that aren't that great, but uh, this track I dig. It's Life's Windows. It's from 1969, and it is a little bit of that kind of, I don't know, uh, gruff, 
soulful thing that I, I can take or leave usually, but it's got enough interest in it that I think it's worth hearing. Wayne Talbert. I just don't think anybody should ever sing the word funky. I don't know. It just, it always stands out like a sore thumb if you ask me. Even if it's like, you know, somebody really funky, you know, like Lee Dorsey, you know, everything I do gonna be funky from now on. You know, I fully support his decision to uh, henceforth do things in a manner that's much more funky than hitherto. But apart from all these important considerations about the word funky, this track has a sour quality that I kind of like. Then I'm going to give you something by a gospel group, the Art Reynolds Singers with Face the Day. And this is from around the same time as Wayne Talbert, maybe slightly earlier, late 60s. Art Reynolds Singers were a innovative gospel group. A lot of gospel fans at the time thought they were a little bit too mainstream sounding, a little too rockish. Uh, but I think they were kind of visionary, and this track just really has something to it that really grabs you, I think. And then we'll change pace with a track from Denmark, a band called Culpepper's Orchard. And this is an early 70s cut, might have been 1972, in fact. And no, it won't be on the third 1972 show that will be coming up, but could have been. A lot of great music in Denmark at that time. I've played Blast Furnace in the past, and there was a band called Burning Red Ivanhoe. There was just a lot of great music going on around then. Culpepper's Orchard was kind of a semi-prog, semi-folk kind of band. You can see, um, maybe I, I played a band called Help Yourself a long time back, and it's kind of in that vein, sort of hippie, proggy, I don't know what. The album called Culpepper's Orchard is a really great album. The one that followed it, a second Sight is not so great, but this track, Keyboard Waltz, is from that album. And it reminds me a little bit of Love, Arthur Lee's band, which is high, high praise. And they probably don't warrant that high praise, but it does have something of that sound in it. See if you agree. But here we go with the Mills Brothers, Till Then. Darling, please wait for me till then No matter when it will be someday I know I'll be back again Please wait till then Our dreams will live the week Call on each 
break of a every dawn. I can feel the life of a new day. Sun Street Heavens
confirmation of my situation Taking it easy won't be long You start to ponder on the wisdom of what's under your keys And trying to sing the song of what's inside you Suddenly you see your need, my friend, your need Yeah, Keyboard Waltz by Cull Pepper's Orchard. I like it. I was talking earlier about this care package that we got from Gilligan, you know, these soups and stuff. Man, these soups. Holy mackerel. Was this stuff delicious. Thank you, Gilligan. Man, oh man. And it cured what ails us, which brings us to the next thing. But it also, I get ahead of myself. When I was talking about Gilligan and his label and the show that he commissions, Label, 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 on that show I talked about uh, some of these reissue labels that I'm fond of, you know, like Numero Group and some of the ones that reissue really old stuff like uh, Yazoo and Dust to Digital. And I want to tell you about another label here called Old Hat. Great stuff. Check out their website. They don't have a great big catalog, but what they have is really choice. They do American music, old American music. So there's albums devoted to fiddle music and so forth and so on. I got one here. It's a double disc set that's just killer. And it is called Good For What Ails You. Beautifully compiled. It sounds great. It's designed beautifully. Lots of great photographs. Really, really good liner notes. You know, it's exactly the kind of thing you want when you're looking for something like this. And what this is concerned with, let me see, what's the subtitle here? Good for what ails you, music of the medicine shows, 1926 to 1937. So I don't know if you share with me this fascination with older America and how a lot of the culture that's familiar to us sprang from these remote sources, these now remote sources like um, the sideshows, the circuses, um, the minstrel shows, things like that. It's another one of these things that people like to make much out of the, um, you know, the racism and racial conflict and all that stuff. You know why? It's it's what everybody is, at least pretends to be obsessed with these days. I'm more interested in the things these cultures had in common, these American regular folk type subcultures, which is to say the things that drove these people toward joy and pleasure and creativity not the things that we can gravely consider today and uh, pass judgment on. And this album is full of the joyous side of this stuff. These medicine shows, you know, in those days, people would sell this patent medicine. It's a real cliche in a lot of Western movies and stuff. People would put together these semi-toxic concoctions and 
sell them to people claiming they would cure gout or whatever, blindness, anything, when they're more likely to cause these things. They travel from town to town and put up a little stage and do these shows and hawk the stuff. So they had to get people's attention and hold their attention, how to make them feel good and want to get in on this exciting thing they were selling, you know, because in those days uh, that was, uh, I guess it was just a, a common man scam, as unlike today where it's an elite scam, where you have um, famous doctors wagging their finger at you, forcing you to take their patent medicines <laughs> rather than convincing you to buy it and not providing you with any kind of entertainment, quality or not. Well, the medicine shows have this uh, dark side, obviously. The exploitation of the gullible and all that. Just like the minstrel shows have this dark center to them with this racial mockery and exploitation, there is also the side of it that was uh, what attracted people. Attracted them to it as customers and as performers. And a lot of that was not necessarily negative. You know, you can look at the negative aspect of minstrel shows, the negative aspect of medicine shows, and the negative aspect of uh, revival shows, you know, the religious things. You know, these are all exploiting people, and they all trade in stereotypes and things like that, but they also were the cauldron for American music. And a lot of people, when they started to collect old records and reissue them, concentrated on blues music. And it gave the impression that that's mostly what music of America was at the time. And it was really just a part of a whole variety of styles. And a lot of these bluesmen who are revered, they had repertoires that consisted of all kinds of stuff, ragtime music and weepy ballads and novelty songs and marches and, you know, you name it. And you hear a lot of that in these medicine show songs. It takes it away from that one note thing of the blues changes. And the artists are black and white. I'm going to play a couple of things here. Uh, and I'll probably touch on this in future shows because I just love this collection. But this stuff is really wacky. Some of it is uh, unexpected, you know. First one I'm going to play here is called I Heard the Voice of a Pork Chop. The guy's name is Jim Jackson, who sings it. And it's from around 1930. Both of these I'm going to play are from about 1930 or so, 29. I'm pretty sure I first heard of this title in a Robert Crumb cartoon where he references it. And if you had asked me at the time, I would have told you it was made up. Couldn't have been a record with that title. <laughs> but it's a fun record. He's It's a little irreverent because he's playing on a religious hymn that goes, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. But in this song, it's a kind of a poor guy walking down the road, mighty hungry, and it's, he hears the voice of the pork chop calling him. A little more directly related to his needs than the gospel was at the time. But it really becomes a piece of true surrealism. And I just love it. I'm, I'm just gonna get right to it here. Jim Jackson with I heard the voice of a pork chop. Ah, oh, don't that sound good? It sounds good to me. Oh, it certainly does now. Oh, stir it up, will you, wife? Don't that sound good? I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. I stopped for the rest of my feet. 
I'd sit down under an old oak tree, there went bed to sleep. I'd drink by sitting in a swell cafe, as hungry as a bear. My stomach's in the telegram to my throat, there's a wreck on the road somewhere. I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. Well, you talk about your stewing beef, I know what's the best. Well, you talk about your chicken, ham and egg, turkey stuffed in dress. But I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. Oh, shit. Ain't that good? Oh, ain't that nice? Ain't it nice to be nice when you can be nice? Oh, yeah. Don't I do this thing? I know I'm doing this. It just suits me. I know it suits you, too. I walk and walk and walk and walk. I stop where it's my feet. I sit down in an old oak tree. Damn, went fast to sleep. I drip, I sit in a swell cafe, hungry as a bear. My stomach's in a telegram to my throat, there's a wreck on the road somewhere. I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. Well, you talk about your stewing beef, I know what's the best. Well, you talk about your chicken, ham and egg, turkey stuffed in dress. But I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. Well, you talk about your stewing beef, but I know what's the best. Well, you talk about the chicken, ham and egg, turkey stuffed in dress. But I heard the voice of a pork chop say, come on to me and rest. Oh, don't I do this. I know I'm doing this, yeah. Don't I pick that thing? I know y'all is tickled to death at me. I heard the voice of a pork chop Come on to me and rest Well, you talk about your stewing beef I know what's the best Well, you talk about your chicken, ham and egg Turkey stuffed in dress But I heard the voice of a pork chop Say, come on to me and rest Yeah, I heard the voice of a pork chop Say, come on to me and rest Well, you talk about your stewing beef I know what's the best Well, you talk about your chicken, ham and egg Turkey stuffed in dress Oh man, ain't that great? I think it is. I love his delight at the beginning of it, saying, don't that sound good as he's playing, you know? And then in the body of the song, that strange guitar line, it's a little bit uh, off kilter, you know? But the wit of it and the the joy of it, it's uh, just fantastic. Now we got a performer named Henry Thomas, who went by the name Ragtime Texas. And he plays guitar and he plays the quill, which is kind of like a panpipe on this number. And this number is a, kind of an archetype, a certain type of song where that lists towns, you know, like um, later versions would be Route 66, where they just talk about all the towns that the highway runs through. Or Night Train, where James Brown is singing about all the different cities that the night train passes through, all the black urban centers of America, you know. It reminds you of the kind of feeling you have on a train where it becomes musical because of the rhythm of the train and the conductor calling the towns, you know, and they, they start, even even the Long Island Railroad, you know, there's uh, Amityville, Copaig, Massapequa, Massapequa Park. <laughs> it's that chanting thing. You get it through with horse races, you know, with the person uh, announcing the horse race or the uh, auctioneers, you know, kind of mesmerizing, you know. And uh, the railroad thing clearly becomes a big root of rock and roll and things like Folsom Prison Blues and Mystery Train and all. So this is really just listing these t- towns on this railroad, and it's a railroad feel to the song. It's just 
fucking great. I, I love train songs. I even wrote a song about how much I love train songs. And here's a really good one, a really early one. With this great American slang title, Railroadensome, <laughs> by Henry Ragtime Texas Thomas. And jump back to Fort Worth Come on down to Dallas, drink call Kitty Coming through the territory in Kansas City And Kansas City, St. Louis And St. Louis, Chicago I'm on my way, but I'm doing well stuff is terrific and uh, let me know if you like it because I have a lot of that kind of thing I don't know why I don't play more of it on the show actually but uh, I could let me know if you like it now earlier I had a couple of things that I played and I told you I'd play you some other stuff by these artists and I'll probably do that now because we're getting on here in the show 
and I want to keep my promise or threat or whatever you might deem it to be. First up is Interlude 1, Settle for Being Ordinary, which is another section of David Sampson's Breathing Lessons. Then I'll play Willow's song, and that's another great track from Big Hog from the album Pageant of Beasts. And then finally, uh, from the composer Have Et and his piece A Reliquary for William Blake, it's The Little Vagabond. Oh, Will Ayton. Sorry.
Java drinking time Up and out of those beds You sleepy little heads Wake it up, break it up Pour some Java in the cup So I'm out of that bed With a cock-a-doodle-doo With a cup in my hand And a foot in my shoe It's a wonderful thing What the Java can do It can do, it can do, it can do Gotta drink it real straight If you wanna percolate Drink it right, never light Gotta have a little bite But the Java's no fun If you gotta drink and run Cause you're late for the date Seems you always make him wait So he's watching his watch And he's walking on the floor And he's telling himself Never, never anymore Says he won't wait around While the Java's getting cool He's no fool, not a fool, not a fool You're all in a dither, a dither, a dither You're running And you have to spend the dime that you save, that you save for the Java drinking time. So you run and you walk and you hurry down the street. Cause you're late for your date, the only one you wanna meet. But he's waiting for you, he's as happy as can be. Cause the waiter came through with a Java that was free. And he tells you real sweet as he orders you a cup. Drink her up, drink her up, drink her up. You're running from hither to yon. You don't hurry, then he'll be gone So you take the wrong bus And you have to spend the dime That you save, that you save For the job of drinking time And you run and you walk You hurry down the street Cause you're late for your date The only one you wanna meet But he's waiting for you He's as happy as can be Cause the waiter came through With a java that was free And he tells you real sweet As he orders you a cup Drink her up, drink her up, drink her up Marilyn May singing a version of Alan Toussaint's Java with lyrics added by I Know Not Who. Marilyn May was one of these real brassy Las Vegas stalwarts. I remember seeing her on Ed Sullivan and shows like that. And she was a total pro, but you could tell, man, she was tough. She was really tough. And she performed into her 90s. Um, I admire that, those kind of entertainers, you know? It was something else. Right now behind me you hear Floyd Kramer's big hit on the rebound, the slipnote stylings of Floyd Kramer, country's leading pianist. And on the rebound, because I think I am on the rebound. Now today, I just had a couple of cups of Java to echo Marilyn May. And I'm getting my act together because I had a, you know, I'm, again, I'm doing this show piecemeal because I'm not well. But I'm on the rebound, so Floyd Kramer's laying down my theme song for the day. On the rebound, feeling myself again. No, not like that. Stop that. It's ain't nobody's business if I do. Now, you know, something came to mind. I was just thinking about this the other day. There's this guy, Paul LaGruda. He's my nephew, Petey's best friend. And uh, his father died, and we went to the funeral and all that. And there's that strange, kind of giddy, nowhere kind of vibe sometimes after funerals. You know, you it's an island in the grief where you, uh, nothing matters really, just the moment. And it's kind of a good thing, you know? Kind of analogous to that hurricane blackout vibe you get in the neighborhood, you know? It's just it's sort of a interval, you know, fugue. 
And uh, there we were. Oh, hang out a second. Floyd Kramer's uh, finishing up. Let me change the record. All right, so what was I saying? Yeah, so we're hanging out in this restaurant with a few people that I just, I don't know who they are, you know, some relatives of his or something. And we got onto a topic of sexist songs. There was a whole genre of songs kind of instructing women on how to act <laughs> or or praising them, damning them with faint praise, you know, kind of like um, She's a Lady, you know, by Tom Jones. You know, she's got style, she's got grace, she always knows her place. What a winner, you know. Um, or uh, Get Behind Closed Doors by Charlie Rich, you know. And then, and then the instructive ones are kind of like, hey, little girl, comb your hair, fix your makeup. You know, <laughs> there was a ton of these things, man. Even um, Leslie Gore, right? That's the way boys are, you know. What can I do? Look, he's an asshole. What can I do? This is how boys are, you know. Maybe so. But it was one of the most hilarious conversations I've ever had. We were just rolling the whole table, you know. It was wonderful. And uh, I'm going to play one of those records. <laughs> I'm going to play one. Because we, we're getting to the end here. And something about the arrangement of this record. Uh, well, above and beyond the silliness of the lyric. Uh, I just think it's an irresistible arrangement. And uh, she does a good job singing it. Her name is Bobby Martin. And then after that, in the spirit of this recovery, this recuperation, me and my family are experiencing, I'm going to play a song called I Feel Good. No, not James Brown. It's uh, Alan Toussaint again. Just mentioned him before with Java. Alan Toussaint, it's actually a Benny Spellman record, Benny Spellman singing it, but it's Toussaint playing the piano, wrote the song, produced the song, arranged the song, and you hear him doing those background vocals, some of which are pretty hilarious. You know, the background vocals kind of echo what Benny Spellman's singing in the front. So when he says, you give me love beyond compare, Tucson's going, pear, pear. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be back in a minute to say goodbye. And uh, here's Bobby Martin. For the love of him. Take 
Yes, yes. Some healing mojo from New Orleans. Fantastic. 1965, Benny Spellman sang that one. And as always, we lift a toast to the fond memory of Alan Toussaint. And you know, we've lost a lot of people recently. We lost uh, Bobby Rydell, who we've heard on the show. Great entertainer. Ron told me we lost Susan Jacks. Sad to hear. We lost uh, Bobby Morse, Robert Morse from... uh, how to succeed in business. No, I'm not going to play I Believe in You this time. I've been getting the message loud and clear from everybody. The crowds have been gathering outside my house every day protesting. And, you know, even an ultra-maga like me can see the error of his ways every once in a while. So I'm not going to be playing I Believe in You. But I do recall with gratitude and fondness Robert Morse. And I extend both that gratitude and that fondness to you, dear listener. Thank you for spending time with me today. I'll be back very soon on the Patreon and eventually here as well. And what am I going to end it with today? Well, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but I, I, what do I care? Bill Conti always dug this, always dug it. And I'm going to listen to it now. You can listen to it or not. I, it's up to you. I don't try to force nothing down your throat, man. Ain't my way. Thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday. I'm going to let Bill Conti inspire me. So long.